welcome to the Wesley Memorial Podcast. Join us this Sunday at 1225 Chestnut Drive in High Point. Visit us on the web at wesleymemorial.org. Now here is this week's message. Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. Our text for the morning is found in Philippians chapter 3. I'll be reading verses 7 through 11. This is what Paul wrote to the church at Philippi and what the Spirit is speaking to us today. Yet whatever gains I had, Paul says, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I want to call your attention to the fact he does not say knowing about the historical Jesus. He references knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God based on faith. In verse 10, he says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death. If somehow... I may attain the resurrection from the dead. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Church, would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, may we have the courage, the grace, to allow you to do a new work in us today. Give each one of us ears to hear what you're saying to us. So fill us with your Holy Spirit. So immerse us in the life of Christ that we may truly live as the body of Christ in this world. Oh God, speak now, for your servants are listening. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Okay, I've already made one confession to you this morning. I confessed my, my great, great love for hand sanitizer. So I'll make another confession here at the beginning of my message this morning. And it is a more profound confession. And you may be able to join me in this Confession. I hope you could join me in this confession. The season of Lent is a time of confession where we seek to see our lives, seek to see ourselves, seek to see the human condition as God sees it. That's what it means to confess, to see the same, to say the same that God would see, that God would say. So my confession this morning is I have learned, actually I learned rather quickly in 
at least my adult life, that I, I usually, I usually, I am my own worst enemy. And perhaps you can say the same thing. I hope that you can say the same thing because in a lot of ways to declare that we can be our own worst enemy leads to the understanding and to exhibiting the understanding that we understand something very basic, something very profound about the human condition. Now, if you go to the World Wide Web and, and Google being my own worst enemy, what will pop up most of the time is articles about how we are our own worst enemy because of the ways that we criticize ourselves, because of the way that we live in relationship with ourselves in a very hypercritical mentality. And perhaps we need to be aware of that. We need to be aware that we don't evaluate ourselves more critically than God or anyone else would evaluate ourselves. But that's not what I mean when I say I realize I am my own worst enemy. When I say I am my own worst enemy, I'm acknowledging that when I look back over the course of my life and I think about most of my problems, I think about most of my destructive attitudes, when I think about most of my destructive mindsets, I create them myself. I create many, many of my own problems. That's what I mean when I say I, I acknowledge that most of the time I am my own worst enemy. I understand I understand what the Apostle Paul was getting at in Romans chapter 7 when he said, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want to do, but I do the very thing I hate. It is so easy for us to be our own worst enemy. It is so easy for us to be the reason we don't find the purposeful, meaning-filled, abundant, victorious life that is being offered to us in Jesus Christ. And it's so easy to, to follow that mindset because we're in a culture, at least for the last 140 years or so, we're in a culture here in the West that idolizes the self. Now the Christian tradition for 2,000 years would be quick to say that we do indeed make an idol of ourself. But for the last 140 or so years in the West, we have come to idolize ourselves in a good way. And it's so apparent through much of our language, through much of what we see in society. That's why we can look at each other and we can say things such as, be who you are, follow your bliss, do what makes you happy, follow your heart, listen to your inner child. Sometimes my inner child needs to be spanked. <laughs> Sometimes it would be detrimental to my life and other people's lives if I did what made me happy and followed my bliss. The human condition, according to the Christian faith for 2,000 years, is a condition that is in desperate need of redemption. Now, beginning back in the 1880s, 1890s, in the West, in Western Europe, the United States, there were winds blowing that caused Christians to lose the true sense of our need of redemption. Because of people like Charles Darwin, because of people like uh, John Dewey, 
and Henry James, people began to say that, well, we human beings, we are, we're basically good. People started to live and think and philosophize as if that human beings, only thing we need is the right education or the right environment in order to make us into the right people. And nothing wrong with any of that, but that is very different from what the Christian church has said about human nature for the last 2,000 years. I can relate to what Jeremiah says. In the book of Jeremiah, the prophecy of Jeremiah, we see the heart mentioned perhaps more often in that one book than, than any other single book in the New Testament or Old Testament. And the prophet Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? So yes, Jeremiah would not say, follow your heart. We need to evaluate our heart. We need to understand our heart. We need to understand that human nature is prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Because we have a bentness to our human nature, a brokenness to our human nature. That's why I love Genesis 1 and 2, the stories of creation, the beauty of creation. But then beginning in Genesis 3 through Revelation 22, there's the marvelous story of God's great work of redemption in human history. We were originally created in a blessed state but soon we quickly fail. We, we discovered human pride. We discovered a degree of human pride that wanted us to be our own gods. We wanted to be captains of our own destiny. And we became enslaved to the self. We started living our lives tyrannized by the self. And we took the next step of just saying perhaps all we need is proper education, proper environment. But the, the Bible, the Christian tradition is very, very clear. We human beings, we don't just need renovation or reformation. We need new birth. We need to start all over again. That's why baptism for us is a symbol of dying to Christ. In order to be raised alive in Christ, we need to be done over again. We need a new birth. We need a new birth from above, a spiritual birth, because there's something so broken about human nature. Yeah, we are our own worst enemy in so many ways, but in this culture it's very popular to believe you're my worst enemy. Everything's your fault. It's somebody else's fault. It's never my responsibility. But if we can understand we are our own worst enemy, we can understand perhaps that we do by nature tend to live under the tyranny of self. And perhaps we can begin to move away from that and get closer to becoming the people that God in Christ wants us to be. The glory of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is that Jesus doesn't just come live and die and raised and ascended to heaven in order that we might be forgiven of our sins. Not just that. We certainly find forgiveness. We certainly find pardon from our sin in Jesus Christ. But like we Methodists love to sing in the Methodist anthem, he breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. We believe that grace is God's empowering presence in our lives. 
And it does forgive us. It pardons us of our sin. But it begins to set us free from the power of sin in our lives. And one day when we step over into glory, we'll be free from the very presence of sin in our lives. But our journey in this world is a journey of finding more and more and more freedom that's been given to us in Jesus Christ. He breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. It's not something we can do. We're not capable of finding the power to break the tyranny of self in our lives. But part of the gospel is God gives God's self to us in the work of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit to empower us to find new life. We don't have to be living our lives simply under the circumstances. We don't have to live our lives simply as the result of our past. We can now live our lives in light of who we are in Jesus Christ. And what it is that Jesus Christ is giving us. Our text for the morning was found in Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. In Philippians 3, Paul is telling the people in Philippi about his wonderful pedigree, about his tremendous credentials. He makes sure that they understand that he was circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. That's who Paul says that he was. That's Paul's pedigree. That's Paul's credentials. But then he says in the text that I read for a few moments ago, yet whatever gains I had, these I've come to regard as loss because of Jesus Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ. Jesus, my Lord, for his sake I have suffered loss of all things and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness of God from God based on faith. So he's saying in light of the surpassing value of a personal relationship with Christ, everything else pales in comparison. He considers everything else loss. Now, those are some pretty important things that he puts in that category of loss. And as we read the rest of Paul's writings and look at the rest of Paul's life, we know that his past helped him be who he was. He was a brilliant mind, perhaps one of the most brilliant minds of the first century. He was trained as a good Jew, but he was trained in the best of Greco-Roman education of the time. He was brilliant in so many ways. He was driven. He was passionate. But all of that is secondary or tertiary or considered as loss in light of the great surpassing value of knowing, not just knowing about, but knowing Jesus Christ, being in that relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul is making sure we understand he, he knows the value of things. He knows how to order the loves of his life. And then he goes on to say in 3.10, and perhaps you remember this, this, this is the text from which I preached on my very first Sunday in this pulpit. I, I take it as one of my life verses, Philippians 3.10, where Paul says, I want to know Christ. 
and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death. He says that's his overriding primary passion in life. He wants to know Christ, be so close to Christ, united to Christ, that he, he gets the resurrection life of Christ in his, in his own life. He begins to live out of that new power in his life. He begins to find that power that forgives, that power that pardons, that power that breaks canceled sins hold over our lives. He wants to find that resurrection power and live that new reality. And he also acknowledges in that text, after he comes to know Christ, he receives that resurrection power, then he begins to suffer. Because when you come into union with Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ starts filling us with his spirit and we start living as Christ in the world, life can get hard sometimes. As we learn to deny ourselves, as we learn to say no to ourselves, as we know to break the power of self in our lives. We are in the season of Lent. We're in a sermon series about about how we need to empty ourselves of some things in order to be filled with other things. During the season of Lent, we're, we're trying to learn what it is God wants us to let go of in order to make some space in our life for more of Jesus in our life. That's why before we can be filled, we've got to think about what we need to empty ourselves of. We've got to make space in our overcrowded life. We've got to make space in the midst of all of our plethora of loves to make a place for our primary love, our primary passion, Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that can break the tyranny of self in our lives. One of my other life verses that's very close to Philippians 3.10 is Galatians 2.20. In Galatians 2.20, Paul says this, and I'll offer it to you out of the New Living Translation because I like the way it's rendered there. Paul says, my old self, my old self is being crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. I have been crucified with Christ. Part of receiving the new life this hours in Jesus Christ. Part of getting resurrection power in our lives to make us a different human being today is dependent upon our ability to crucify ourself, crucify our old life, let go of some things that are part of our past to receive what is ours in the present through Jesus Christ. And sometimes in this age, we don't even know how to say how to say no to ourselves about much of anything. We certainly don't know much about crucifying ourselves in order to let something new live in us. Before we can be raised with Christ in the next world, before we can be raised with resurrection life in the here and now, we have got to first be co-crucified with Jesus. There's parts of our life that has to die. Because you see, human nature loves to enthrone the human. Self becomes our God. And all of a sudden, it's all about our convictions, our opinions, our dreams, our preferences. 
We want to be captain of our own destinies. We want to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. But the Christian faith tells us we don't even have bootstraps. The choice is enthronement of self at the core of our life or enthronement of Jesus Christ at the core of our life. And whichever one we enthrone will determine how our lives are organized. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. That's Paul's vision for life. I think it probably was on that first Sunday over two years ago now when I preached from Philippians 3.10 and I think then I introduced you to one of my heroes in the faith, John Gabriel Pervier. He was a great French Christian at the beginning of the 1800s, the first half of the 19th century. He answered the call to go to China on the mission field to help the Chinese learn the good news of Jesus Christ. When he went to China... Uh, the, the winds turned against the Christian movement there in China, and Christians began to be persecuted and martyred. And John Gabriel gave his life for Jesus Christ in 1840 as a martyr there on the China mainland. He wrote a prayer that is a pivotal prayer for me. It's one that I use frequently. It's one that I commend to others frequently. It, of course, is based on that Galatians 2.20 text that says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Here is the prayer from John Gabriel. O oh, my divine Savior, transform me into yourself. May my hands be the hands of Jesus. Grant that every faculty of my body may serve only to glorify you. Above all, transform my soul and all its powers so that my memory, my will, and my affection may be the memory, the will, and the affections of Jesus. I pray to you to destroy in me all that is not of you. Grant that I may live but in you, by you, and for you so that I may truly say with St. Paul, I live... Now not I, but Christ lives in me. We have to make room for Jesus in our life. We've got to walk away from the pride of the human heart and enthrone Jesus there at the center of our being. I read every year through Oswald Chambers' great devotional, My Utmost for His Highest. And today's reading is based on Galatians 2.20. He entitled the day's reading, The Relinquished Life. The Relinquished Life. And he said this in today's devotional reading in my utmost for his highest. No one is ever united with Jesus Christ until he is willing to relinquish not only sin, but his whole way of looking at things. There will have to be the relinquishing of my claims to my right to myself in every phase. It's not our life. It's not our body. We can't live by our convictions, by our opinions, by our dreams. Our schedule is not our own. We now belong to another. 
And in order to live fully for another, we've got to learn how to, in a spirit-empowered way, to get over ourselves. And by living that life of self-denial, that, that life of self, continual self-emptying in order to receive more of Christ, we then find joy, purpose, and meaning in life. Amen.